Hello, everyone. I'm Dominique. And I'm Christina. And we are the Connected in Glass podcast. Every week, we will feature interviews with glass artists who speak to their creative processes and overcoming challenges. These conversations are real and raw. We hope that by sharing these stories, you're able to find some connection and know that you're not alone. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. We're super passionate about this project and work for hours every week to bring you this content. So if you'd like to help support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash connected in glass. Also, please consider joining our Facebook group, Connected in Glass Community, where we continue the conversations from these episodes. We'd love to hear from you. This episode of Connected in Glass is sponsored by Diddy Clips. Diddy Clips has changed the way we film our glassblowing videos, and we're proud to be working with them. Today, we're interviewing Marissa Manderfield. She's a glass artist based in Boulder, Colorado, who's been working with glass since 2013. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we're so excited to get to know you. At first, we want to know a little bit about where you live, what you enjoy besides glass, and then get us into your story on how you started working with glass. Cool. So I'm blessed to live in Boulder, Colorado. I love it here, but I'm from Wisconsin. So I do make glass full-time for a living. I mean, I've mostly had artistic jobs. Otherwise, like my whole adult life, I've mostly just been doing art. So I also like to paint on the side. I just got Procreate and I'm learning how to do some like graphic art and stuff right now too. So that's been really fun. Otherwise, in my free time, I just spend a lot of time enjoying Colorado. So hiking and being outside, hanging out by the creek in Boulder. I just love being outside. Awesome. And tell us how you got to Colorado and also how you started working with glass. Yeah, well, it's kind of like one story altogether. So I guess I'll start with like where I got into glass. So I first got a job when I was 16. It was like one of my first jobs at an art studio in my hometown that offers pottery painting, mosaics, and glass fusing. So right off the bat as a teenager, I had access to glass fusing and mosaics and totally fell in love with it. Like the the optics of glass and like the depth of it always just fascinated me. So yeah, I worked there for a while. I worked there through my 20s too, but when I was 18, I saw the documentary Degenerate Art. So I, I am like a pipe maker. That's like my background. So that's what got me wanting to blow glass. Like right away after seeing it, I was like, I have to figure out how to do that. So I did. It wasn't very easy because I was in Wisconsin. So there weren't really many pipe makers specifically to learn. So I tried to look locally, didn't find anybody. And then I actually went on Craigslist, believe it or not. That was still like a big thing back then. (laughs) And I ended up finding somebody who wanted to teach production pipe making in like near Denver and Aurora. So I moved there for a few months when I was 18 and basically just like traded work, like just the practice pipes I would make, I would trade as like lessons. So I'd pay off my lessons basically making pipes. So it was really awesome opportunity. Like it's hard to find a good way to get your foot in the door for sure. And I'm grateful that I was able to find. 
Holy crap. Hold on one minute. So you just up and moved. <laughs> You're 18 years old and you found a job online and you up and moved and yeah. it ended up being like a really good situation where you learned from it and you got your skill base. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got lucky. <laughs> like it was definitely kind of a, a sketchy thing to try. I was definitely going out on a limb, especially since I had ne- like, I'd never tried glass blowing before. I'd never seen anyone do it before. So I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just going to go for it I was like right after high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life so you know I feel like in that stage of life you're kind of like down to try whatever and just like excited to go like I don't know explore so that's kind of what the energy took me to and yeah I'm I'm happy I ended up doing it but it's definitely like a weird way to get into glass for sure and Um, did you like pick it up really fast right away or where there was there a time where you're like oh my gosh what did I do I'm never gonna get this I mean glass is hard so I I don't really think anyone just picks it up really quickly right away but I started learning like spoon pipes first and in that like three months that I was learning from him like I ended up making like a, a bubbler like a water pipe by the end of it and it was like awful but the fact that I like was able to do that right away, it like now looking back, I'm like, how did I pull that off? Like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't easy, but I guess it was still interesting enough or easy enough for me to think I could keep sticking with it. So <laughs> okay, keep taking us from there. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah, after that, I moved back home to Wisconsin and then just kind of self-taught and worked like in my parents basement (laughs) from there for a while and amidst that I was working at the ceramic art studio and then I also got a job teaching glass fusing at a tech school so I was just like constantly surrounded by glass and art it was awesome I loved it so I did that for a while and then I always wanted to leave Wisconsin so I tried to move back to Colorado it took a couple tries to get it to work so I moved back and forth a few times It's definitely not easy to do that, but it's worth it. And then basically just kind of besides self-teaching, I kind of just watched other artists. I I did like some traveling and met other artists and I'd watch them work and like get pointers from them and stuff like that. So a lot of my knowledge in glass is just kind of like randomly, it's just kind of like scattered and random. I didn't have any like official teaching really. And what's your working situation like now? Do you have your own studio or do you have like a shared space? Yeah, so I work in a shared space right now. I've worked in mostly shared studios besides just when I first worked at my parents' house. And there's there's pros and cons to both. Like I'm totally an introvert, so it's definitely like sometimes hard for me to be around the noise and all the people. But at the same time, because I'm an introvert, it's really good for me to be in group studios and like have those people to bounce ideas off off of and like you know like ask idea or ask questions to and, and stuff like that like it's definitely helpful for me to have that do you feel like you've found your voice in glass right away or did it take a long time to be able to figure out how you were gonna be creative at, with that material that's an interesting question because I still feel like I'm finding my voice for sure And I like question that all the time. So it's funny for me to answer, especially right now. (laughs) But the flower thing came about, like I was just doing production pipes and stuff for the first like five, six years. 
and I'd like randomly make like nature inspired like flowers and stuff but I didn't think I would keep moving forward with it because I was like oh like everyone makes glass flowers like there's not really anything else I can do with that and then the spinner idea came about and I just kind of tried it out and then just kind of like evolved and kept moving with it from there and then now I've been getting into different ways of including kinetic moving parts in my work and um, working with like different mediums and sparkles and like cubic zirconia crystals and stuff like that. And when you have a new idea, do you kind of plan it out in your head? Are you a drawer or do you like sculpt beforehand? I'm definitely a drawer. I'm a visual thinker for sure. So I'm referencing a sketch a lot when I'm making a piece, if it's something that I make a sketch for. But a lot of my work tends to be like just an evolution of stuff I've previously done. And when it's something like that, I can just kind of like flow with it. But even so, I'll usually then like sketch it out and figure out where I want everything to be placed and how it'll flow. And can you tell us the different ways that you make your income now? So do you still do like production pipes and do wholesale or do you kind of sell stuff more privately on your own? Yeah, honestly, COVID really changed how I get my income drastically. Prior to it, I was going to a lot of trade shows for a couple of years and that was pretty much all of my income was um, like wholesaling my work. But through COVID, I mean, obviously a lot of shops weren't really sure if they could stay open, so they weren't buying work for a while and trade shows stopped. And yeah, there weren't just, there weren't really events or any other way to sell my work besides through Instagram and online. So yeah, now I mostly do drops on my website at the moment. Sometimes I still work with shops, but I am going to Las Vegas in 2022. So I hope to kind of get back into the trade shows and wholesaling and working with shops a little bit more because as much as I like working one-on-one with my customers it is still just through Instagram so it's still like I put my work in a box and I send it and sometimes they'll message me and say they like it which I love when people do that but you know mostly it's just kind of like sending my work away and that's it and that's just that alone is kind of not quite fulfilling enough like I need more of the interaction so I'm excited for trade shows to be back. And how do you price your work? Ooh, that's a that's definitely a tough one. So pricing work has kind of been like evolving and confusing and like it's never been consistent and like nobody has the same advice for how to do it. So it's kind of just something you kind of just got to wing. And yeah, I don't have like too much specific, like concrete things I can say about it, but One thing that really changed for me, once I reached the point of not being able to make enough spinners for the, like the flowers specifically for the demand that I was having, I kind of had to increase my prices, obviously, just I didn't have enough time to to make them as quickly as I could. And I kind of had mixed feelings about doing that because I want my work to be like accessible and like for like normal people to be able to buy it. So yeah, it, it can be weird to like, increase your prices sometimes like it can feel a little greedy but I'm also making something nobody else makes so that making something really exclusive and specific kind of allows me to increase my prices a bit too but yeah I mean of course you need to kind of like keep your livelihood in mind and as far as like figuring out what to make and like being affected by like pricing and stuff like 
can be hard to stray from what sells sometimes for sure. And are you always bursting with creativity or do you ever suffer from depression or anxiety or feel like creatively blocked? Yeah, definitely. Quite often I feel creatively blocked. I guess right now I would kind of say that I'm a bit creatively blocked, but I think that's something you just kind of always work through as an artist or will always experience. As far as like finding creative inspiration and what to do when I feel stuck, I'm I'm young and still working on this. So I'm kind of like the one asking other questions or asking other artists this question. But right now I'm kind of, I try to like source inspiration from my inner child. And I feel like that kind of shows in my work. Like it's just like cute stuff that I would have loved when I was like, a little kid so yeah I try to just kind of like and I guess like inner child stuff kind of plays into like my own personal healing so I guess that sort of ties into like the depression and anxiety thing kind of just like making things that are uplifting and fun but yeah since I was an artist since childhood I really try to remember like who I was before I made pipes and before I like had to brand myself and think about money and stuff so I try to like source inspiration from when I used to source inspiration as a kid like prior to having a job and stuff like that but when I do feel stuck I usually just kind of like make production for a little bit and like spend some time outside of the studio if it's just like hiking or doing something that kind of gets the creative juices flowing or sometimes specifically sketch ideas for glass or like just try to make art and get that creativity flowing. Do you know what imposter syndrome is and do you deal with it? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know what it is and I definitely deal with it, especially as like a woman in glass imposter syndrome can be hard. And like in the pipe scene specifically, I have some some things that come up with imposter syndrome and I'm also just like an introvert and HSP. And so those are like that all kind of plays in together. But yeah, like in the pipe scene, there's kind of like this like crusher mentality, like the hustle culture. And right now I'm sort of in a stage of trying to balance my life. Like I'm trying to not just crush and hustle. So like in trying to take that a step back, I sort of have like, yeah, like imposter syndrome or identity crisis because I'm like, oh, I'm not a crusher anymore. Like I don't want to be in the studio for 14 hours a day and like neglect myself. But yeah, I think I can find balance and, and still do the whole thing but it definitely feels weird sometimes the hustle culture and then like with the pipe scene like the history of the pipe scene and like the culture around it like I was never like on lot I didn't like fish or the grateful dead or anything growing up like I wasn't even around cannabis that much until I was a teenager because I was in Wisconsin and it was just super illegal so I didn't really like see heady pipes growing up or like as a teenager really until like later in my life so yeah, there are definitely a lot of things that made me feel like I didn't really fit the mold or whatever, but I mean, I'm still always kind of dealing with that. But yeah, overall, like I love glass enough to to kind of overcome that and not have that be like in the foreground as much. Do you feel like as a woman, like in the pipe scene that you're treated differently? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this kind of ties into another question you guys had on the the question list of biggest lessons you've learned in your life or like advice for your younger self. This would kind of tie into that. 
as far as being a woman in the pipe scene because like for me the biggest and it's advice I'm still trying to take but like the biggest advice that I would give my younger self is to believe in myself and I've definitely definitely limited myself in what I make throughout my career just struggling with confidence and I think as a woman, it's really hard to make it through childhood into adulthood and still have like a sense of capability or not like, like it's hard to not compare yourself to men. Like it's just so in our culture, it's really, really difficult not to. And so I think part of like believing in myself is like overcoming that conditioning. That's like the first step almost. And even as I'm like kind of trying to overcome and heal from that type of conditioning, there is a lot of subtle messages of like doubt in women from other people that I have to experience all the time. Any, any woman in the pipe scene does. And it's, it's subtle. And I don't think like people realize that they're acting from a place of cultural conditioning or like, I don't think people realize they sound like they are, but like one example that every woman in the pipe scene has experienced and heard, especially at trade shows as people will come up to your booth and ask, you made that? Like, as if it's just like, blows their mind that you can make that. And I've definitely had people come up to a booth where I'm showing my work and talk to me as if I'm selling someone else's work. And then, yeah, they're really shocked when it's me who who made it. And so it's just like little stuff like that, that kind of, it gets to you, but also you have to like, remind yourself that it's really just like a tiny thing and just kind of brush it off. Like, I think if you let them stack up, it'll get to you, but yeah, just try to kind of be like, okay, just have to let that go. And then another part of that is like, um, not really seeing other women in glass studios and not seeing like, for me specifically, like introverted, quieter, like women too. I don't really see that in studios that I go to or trade shows all that much. So when I don't see other people who are like me, especially women like you kind of have to keep reminding yourself like I I can be here I belong here like no one else like me is here but I can still be here so it's kind of a weird like thing you always have to kind of overcome but I guess I hope like at the very least on this subject I can inspire other women to try glass despite being in the boys club that's what uh, Lace Face did for me like if she was an indigenous art I'm not sure I would have thought that I could get into glass blowing So I hope to be that for other people. How do you deal with not letting other people's judgments of your work affect the work that you're producing? That's a tough one. So, I mean, we kind of touched on like pricing and how like sales and stuff can affect pricing. And that also can definitely affect like what you end up making, which like, obviously you want to try to not have that be a reality, but you have to think about your livelihood and your bills and stuff. So it is a factor, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to ignore like the Instagram algorithm change. Like, I think that's a big part of any artist, any artist's life right now. Like, unfortunately it's really kind of, I see a lot of people affected by it. And I am too, like even people with huge followings and amazing work are hardly getting any response to their work or people aren't really seeing it. So that's like a new weird issue of being an artist is you have to like remind yourself that it's just like the weird algorithms and Instagram doesn't want you to sell things and stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely a constant struggle. Remind yourself again of like why you're doing what you do 
and why you got into it. And like, sometimes it can be hard to like put all your heart and soul into a piece and then post it and like no one really sees it. And that's like, I think just a, a really difficult thing, but an important thing for artists to like learn how to overcome. And I'm still learning how to not let that affect me at all. <laughs> Instagram is a business and they want you to buy their ads. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I and have actually, to remind myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, they actually won't even let me promote on my Instagram because I've made pipes. So I can't even pay to have my posts looked at either. So it's kind of weird. Is there any questions that you liked that we missed? I did have a question about like, just touching on your experiences with depression, anxiety, and how it affects your And I just had like a, a short response to that. For me, like part of, part of, I was diagnosed with like depression, anxiety pretty young. And so I just kind of like had to factor that into what I wanted to do for a living, I guess. And besides just wanting to make art, obviously I wanted to work for myself so I could take sabbaticals when I needed to and I could control the environment I work in a bit and like decide what to make depending on how I feel and stuff like that. So it's pretty big for me to be able to do what I do for a living and I'm really grateful for it because like, yeah, you can't really just like take mental health breaks when you have a normal job. Like it's a really big deal there. Whereas for me, it's just a couple days off. Like I'll do things to reset my energy and then get back to it versus like forcing myself to go to a job and stuff. So Gospeling has been good for my mental health in that sense, being able to just be my own boss and like take care of myself when I need to. And yeah, I guess like to wrap that balance has been like what I've been trying to work on the most. And like I said before, like balancing the amount of time that I work, not just like trying to crush through a whole day and then feeling tired the next day and like, you know, balancing playtime and art and social stuff, because that's also like a really big part of the job too. And I'm just trying to find balance in all of it to find like the right level of things that is best for my mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. super important. Mm-hmm. Having that flexibility, but also like not letting that flexibility get out of control. <laughs> yes, which like was really hard for me when I was really young. And it's it's a bit easier now. Like now it's hard harder for me to not work. <laughs> like I get a little like anxious when I don't work, but, but yeah, that's definitely a, a difficult balance to find. What is your definition of success and happiness? So that's a pretty tough one to answer. And it's also something I've thought a lot about. So it's like interesting to not be able to totally come to a <laughs> full conclusion when I've thought so much about it. But when I was younger, knowing I wanted to be an artist there's kind of like this scarcity mindset that's instilled on artists, especially where I'm from in Wisconsin, like art is just not that people just don't really care (laughs) or think it's like something you can do for a living. So when I was younger, like I would have said, I just wanted to make enough money to survive and like be able to make art all day. But like kind of trying to overcome the scarcity mindset a bit and trying to like, I even thought that was reaching, like just being able to make art and make enough money to get by. I thought that was reaching, but Um, trying to like think bigger and beyond the scarcity mindset and so I think like success and happiness is just the ability to like make whatever I want and not worry about money or social media bills like what people think anything like that and like I think that comes with more than just having financial stability like I think you have to work on a lot of different parts of your life to to be able to do that 
but yeah I feel like once like the creativity part of it comes together like abundance will kind of follow after that yeah and I also think a sense of community is important for happiness too and that's something I'm striving to have more of in my life especially like an art community the scarcity mindset mm-hmm. that should be one of our questions yeah yeah that's, Ooh, yeah that's really yeah so mm-hmm. tough for artists especially like so many artists are raised and told like don't be an artist yeah you're not gonna make any money yeah it's like do a real job and have your art on the side so like actually getting to that place where you can accept yourself as an artist and like actually making money at it is really hard for so many people for sure yeah yeah definitely when you grow up around that like even overcoming that myself I still have that like scarcity mindset even though I'm like like I don't even care I'm gonna be an artist anyways like still like but I might have to be broke but not really like it's just the scarcity mindset telling me that so and also like having to monetize every piece of art that you create, like not just making art just to make art, like you need to make art because you need to make money, like the crush it thing, you know, like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so big. So do you have any ending notes or conclusion or anything that you wanted to share with people who are listening? So, yeah, I think the most important thing for me and like mental health and glass blowing and, and those things coming together is really just like the balance between everything that it takes to like be a full time glass blower and all the parts of the job, as well as like being a person and making art separately. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me and I appreciate everyone listening. My Instagram is at Mars Glassworks. And I usually go by Mars Glassworks. So that's how you can find me. Thanks so much for all your time and thought. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected in Glass. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more information on the artists we interview and for updates on the podcast.